and it's on. Hello and welcome to the Genesis episode of NFT Radio, where the biggest metaverse conversations happen. I'm Tubador and my co-hosts today are Andrew Steinwald. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how are you? Fine. Great to see you. Matthew Ferrick. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Man, that voice. And fellow metaverses, Brooke Walter. Hey, everyone. And Veritas coming. Okay, Veritas is about to come into the room. Now, we are beyond thrilled to kick off this series with such an incredible lineup of people uh, that need no introduction. But apparently, I love name dropping, so here goes. Uh, we have among us angel investor and entrepreneur Balaji Srinivasan, NFT entrepreneur and creator of the Whale Vault and Token, Whale Shark. We have Sriram Krishnan. Hi, hi. <laughs> and we have Sriram Krishnan and Aarti Ramurti, hosts of the iconic Good Time show on Clubhouse. And we have a deliciously mysterious appearance from Park, the designer and artist who's been living in the future, creating pseudonymously for the last 25 years. And we have Meta Coven, founder and financier of the largest NFT fund in the world, Dreamer and Dua. So we're all here today to talk about pseudonymity, quite fittingly. Balaji espoused it, Park and Whale Shark lived it in varying degrees. Sridham and Aarti uh, pretty much saw it unravel on their show uh, with Metakoven and I. And well, Metakoven and I, well, let's just say we've, we've come to wear it well. Without further ado, on with episode one of NFT Radio. Here we go. Andrew, take it away. Hey guys, yeah, so my first question is for Balaji. And you've been someone who's been discussing the pseudonymous economy for a number of years now. Are you able to explain what the pseudonymous economy is and why is it important? Sure. Yeah. So I gave a talk on this in 2019 and I've tweeted about it more in 2020. I'll probably write like a follow-up essay. But the short version is that um, I think in the near future, it's really already happening, but we're going to be splitting off our earning names, speaking names and quote real names from each other such that you earn under one name speak under another name and and you use your official government name on forms as is necessary and part of this is kind of recognizing that uh, you know the the concept of a real name is itself a technology and it's a technology that wasn't built for the internet that is to say what is a real name another term for a real name is something like a social security name like a social security number uh and it's an identifier a global identifier where all the records across you in different databases can all be merged together. Another name for a name is, is a handle, like a handle on a file cabinet. You can imagine a handle with your name on it where someone can just pull it out of a wall and pull every record and all these different databases on you because they've all got the same name on them. And the thing is that when I say real names weren't built for the internet, um, it wasn't, you know, there, there was no intention uh, you know, insofar as they were constructed, there's a book called Seeing Like a State in terms of how names are constructed. Names were built for the state to track you, um, in the current naming system, you know, first name, last name, and so on, uh, for, for the purpose of things like conscription. And, um, but they, they weren't sort of meant for everybody to be able to stalk you, um, for millions of people to be able to look things up and to just kind of pursue you around the world. And one of the things that's happened is that with real names plus the internet, 
you have the situation where with your bank account balance, only you can debit from your bank account. You, you can greenlight that, but anybody can debit from your reputation. And so real names are kind of vulnerable in this fashion because you can kind of have, if you have just one global identifier, anybody can just pile on it, you know, share incorrect things and then you have no defense. And so I think what's going to happen, this is already happening at many levels in society. It's actually one of the least commented on things. It's just people are going to switch over to using pseudonyms um, much of the time. And the reason I say this is crypto makes it possible to earn under a pseudonym, not simply communicate under one. So for the last 20 years, we've been communicating under pseudonyms. People have been habituated to using usernames on sites like Reddit, for example. Hundreds of millions of people you know, regularly use pseudonyms on Reddit. And, uh, and it's been fine, you know, for the most part, uh, the, the distinction being that an anonym being totally anonymous is 4chan. Real name is like, you know, basically uh, like Facebook used to have a real name policy. And in the middle is a persistent pseudonym like Tubidor, for example, or Metacoven on a site like Reddit where you aren't um, anonymous because you have a recurrent persistent pseudonym, but it's not a global identifier, rather a local one. And you aren't just allowing everybody to link all the records, the database records against you very easily. And the thing about these pseudonyms, the reason I think they will uh, proliferate is you can just pick up and use a pseudonym. You can use it as globally or as locally as you want. Um, and I think the kinds of pseudonyms that will proliferate are those that are related to things like ENS names. So again, not just Tubidor, but Tubidor.eth. Now, why is that? That's actually the kind of pseudonym that is actually built for the internet because um, real names simultaneously give away too much and too little. They give away too much because people can stalk you, et cetera, but they give away too little because they are not unique identifiers. Uh, you can't program with them. You can't attach records to them. You can't easily, you know, you can look things up on them, but you have to do all this natural language search, et cetera. If it's tubidor ETH or, you know, XYZ37.ETH, um, with an ENS name, you can actually attach metadata to a name, basically ENS and you know also Handshake and, and uh, Unstoppable Domains, these give you programmable names, just like crypto gave you programmable money. And programmable names, once your name is like a DNS record, like a domain name, there's a ton that you can do with that. And I think that's really a big component of how we actually enter this pseudonymous economy, where people actually are using programmable names. Now, I mentioned a number of motivations here. One thing I didn't get into is, um, if you have pseudonyms and people are operating under pseudonyms, you can reboot at any time. Um, you know, just like you, you have a limited liability company, you have a limited liability name. So that's to say reputational bankruptcy on that name. Okay, fine. Reboot, do it again. Now, one small context where people use this, uh, you know, there's a site called Exorcism where people are learning, um, you know, programming exercises. And it actually allows you to earn under, or learn rather under a pseudonym because there's people who are sort of scared to learn in public because they, you know, they don't want people to criticize them for not knowing something that they should have known. And there's many, many situations like this where people are scared of asking questions because, you know, they think, oh, I should have known that. And they, they don't want to do that as a real name. So that's an example where, you know, if, um, you know, you, you use a pseudonym, you'd be fine. And there's many more examples like this is why they proliferate on Reddit. So that gives a precise, I think, of why I think the pseudonymous economy will arise, why it's now feasible because crypto allows you to earn under it, what kinds of names will be used. I think it'll be ENS style names, what kinds of protections it gives you. It gives you like a limited liability name and uh, why I think that they're going to you know, rise further because I think real names weren't built for the internet.
that was a perfect receiver Laji. thanks so much uh, one one tiny follow-up question and you can, you can feel free to come back to this later uh, Metakov and I have sort of uh, felt that this this the pseudonymity tends to fall apart the further we are uh, or or the more advanced the technology around us around us is for instance uh, our, our guest next park has been a very successful uh, pseudonym for over 25 years. One theory is that maybe because uh, he was a pseudonym before uh, all of this uh, uh, technology existed, before uh, our names were out there uh, on the internet and across so many platforms. Do you think it's going to get harder to do this the further we are? I think we need to educate the next generation to not use their real name, to not put their photo online, um, to basically just make it harder to be tracked you know to give them names like john smith or the equivalent you know if they have to be in government databases and to basically develop search resistant names and search resistant identities um and this is already happening by the way like this concept of finstas versus rinstas you know fake instagram to be your real self real instagram to be your fake self or even at the highest level of society like you know in the u.s like James Comey or Mitt Romney, they use pseudonyms. Um, you know, James Comey was like Reynold Nyber and Mitt Romney was Pierre Delecto. So even like 70-year-old politicians and, you know, 10-year-old, 15-year-old kids, you know, on, on Instagram are, are learning to do this. And um, I think that the tooling around is going to become better because, you know, one of the things that's going to happen is right now we can still mostly trust photos and videos online. But that's going to, I think, disappear in five or 10 years as, um, you know, certainly people have talked about deep fakes and AI video as they become better and better. And so then, you know, like people's self-asserted identity online, you might be a man or you might be a woman, you might be, you know, like this or that ethnicity. It's now something where you can use deep fakes to not just generate a fake um, image, but many images of the same person. So here's me biking, here's me jogging, here's a video of me talking, all super photorealistic and all from the same seed, but that person doesn't exist. Um, and I think that people, you know, right now we're speaking and you can hear my voice, but I think we're gonna get um, audio anonymization, video anonymization, all that type of stuff is gonna come online. It's already basically there, the technology's there, it just needs to be kind of deployed. Um, and uh, I think that is how that plus the the crypto aspect is just going to be something where very, very few people should actually be able to know um, which Internet identities correspond to the physical person. Um, it'll be similar to not giving out your password to people, um, but you just won't even give out your username to people. Again, this thing already exists. Like what I'm describing is a culture that already exists with respect to, say, for example, hacker news. Um, you will find that among a lot of engineer types, they don't actually give out what their hacker news name is. Um, and that's been around for almost 10 years or so. And I think that's just going to keep expanding as the technology improves. Perfect. Uh, Balaji, if I could jump in, I have a question for you. Of course. Go ahead. Yeah. By the way, I just noticed that we are one of a few people with our actual names on the show. So maybe a very, very bad idea. Uh, uh, unless Sridham is actually my pseudonym and then in, in which I, I've all of you successfully pulled. Um, but I think one one question for you is for a lot of people listening in the audience who probably just have that original name, you know, um, on their government ID cards to go with and kind of accumulated credibility and social capital and 
you know, financial capital tied to that. And starting a pseudonym means that you have to almost start from like ground zero. Like, how do you think about that? Because, you know, in, in some ways, you know, people have an sort of understanding of who Sri Ramakrishnan is, you know, some good, lots of bad. Um, and then for me, to kind of like restart, you know, a different name. That means I would kind of start like, you know, scoreboard from zero. So well, how do you think about that? Because I think that's one thing which just stops a lot of people from even getting started. That's a great question. I'm not sure if you saw my talk on this, but this is what I call the pseudonym. By the way, you should also, by the way, if you have to pick a pseudonym name for me, what would you pick? You know me very well. Uh, I would tell you to go to ENS and find something there, because if I give it away on a podcast it wouldn't, or Clubhouse, it wouldn't be a very good pseudonym. Um, <laughs> but um, what I, I would actually, what, I, what you should do, by the way, is pick something that's like almost random number generated and far away from your anything that would be cool to you. The cooler it is to you, the more unique it is to you. You're giving away bits of information. By the way, on that on that note, just for a second, and I'll get to my next point, um, pseudonymity is a continuum. Most people think it's zero, one, but there's this useful formulation in terms of 33 bits. That is to say, two to the 33rd is about 8 billion. And um, that means that, you know, with 33 bits of information, you can de-anonymize anybody on the planet. That also means that you can define a level of anonymity or pseudonymity that is in between to the zero where I've identified one person or to the 33rd where you can be anybody on earth. If you're, let's say, if you have 10 bits of pseudonymity left, you're among to the 10th about, you know, a thousand people, which is still often enough for many purposes. And so once you have that quantitative framework in place, you can start thinking about, okay, can I trade off some pseudonymity for some distribution? Because what you're talking about is, yeah, you know, right now the two choices are A, operate under your real name where you have all of your distribution, all of your capital, all of your distribution, meaning all your Twitter followers or all of your, you know, like email contacts, et cetera. That's your distribution. Um, and you have zero pseudonymity because it's two to zero. It's just one person. Or you go all the way to the extreme where you have a new, you know, Twitter account and uh, you could be one out of 300 million Twitter users. So it's not exactly to the 33rd, but still a pretty large number. Um, but you have, uh, you know, zero distribution, right? So you have 100% pseudonymity, zero distribution. In between those, you know, maybe there's a trade-off. Maybe there's a way of doing a pseudonymous bridge. Once you formulate it this way, once it's quantitative, can we give, get some distribution at the expense of some pseudonymity? And so I thought about this construct, how you'd set that up once, you know, set up. And, and the key insight for me once it was once I realized that you wouldn't want to be able to port over or it'd be hard to port over followers to that pseudonym because followers are by their nature non-fungible. That is to say, you are a follower, but you're the only Sri Ram, right? And if you just set up a new pseudonym and it had exactly the same number of followers and exactly the same followers as the, uh, as a, not just number, but the identical followers to your, to your real name, it'd be easy to non to, to de-identify you because um, you'd be, or, or, or de-anonymize de you because the the vector of which followers you have would be identical to the other one. So followers are, are non-fungible, so hard to port over, but karma is fungible, so it's easy to port over. And with something like Zcash, for example, we've actually already solved the problem of sending um, digital currency fungibly, you know, from one pseudonym to another. And so I think an analog to that would be not Zcash, but Z Karma, where basically it's a little technical, but if you have a so-called HD wallet, hierarchical deterministic wallet, you could set up a karma system such that you could transfer it um, between addresses within the same wallet. So you couldn't transfer it between people, 
um, unless you share the private keys. You can transfer it between names that you can generate within the same wallet, but that kind of karma could be earned in like a, you know, Reddit 2.0, like a crypto Reddit. And such a karma system, the reason it'd be interesting is you could build up a thousand karma under one name and then move it over to another name, provably on chain. It was, you know, like something which, uh, which you earned, you weren't transferring it to somebody else, but you could now start with a new pseudonym and make a statement and people would know that you had high reputation in that community, just not who you, you were precisely, right? And this would be a way to speak without retaliation to actually port some distribution over to that pseudonym. So the point is, once you start thinking about these things quantitatively, you might be able to express the problem that you just posed, which is a very important one in, in technical terms. Brilliant. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was quite something, Balaji. It's always it's always interesting to hear you speak. Um, I, d I did want to shift some things up. I mean, Tubador told me a very interesting thing about PAC, and is that support according to Tubador for PAC, it's not about hiding himself; it's about defining himself through creations rather than a human face or voice. But my question is. Have there been any opportunities PAC has missed due to the choice of remaining uh, pseudonymous? Uh, is that is that something that has uh, reduced your ability uh, in some ways or the other? Okay, I think we just have a response from PAC. PAC says, when when people see a face or hear the voice of a persona, it's very hard for them to not remember it as humans evolved to match identity with physical image. Having no face and physicality helps me define myself with concepts rather than a face and a body. This is the primary reason I have very controlled personal data online with many purposeful misdirections. Well, that I can vouch for. This is also why my physicality changes from event to event presentation to presentation in the actual world if I have to be there physically. Wow, this I did not know. I believe this is where we can make the separation clearly between a person and a persona. Acts and their concepts remain the same, which defines the persistent logical flow of behavior publicly. This is how we can become an idea beyond mortal biological body. Opportunities are sometimes missed, then recreated. This vacuum helped me so far, brought me more than it took away. Does that answer your question, Veritas? Wow, no, that definitely does. I was wondering if I'd be able to ask another question. Go for it. Let's see. He might choose <laughs> to not answer. <laughs> I mean, so with that, I guess Pac is saying, you know, is this the ability to maintain pack throughout time right instead of the uh, you know the night and day i guess in terms of life nature of humans as pack maintains his uh, secrecy i guess going into the future it's open to being more than a person correct Yes, he says. 
I love it. I love it. Thanks for summarizing it for him. No, uh, in fact, this is where the concept of uh, you know pseudonyms as exosuits sort of comes across, right? In a in a way, um, Park is wearing this uh, persona. He can be anybody. He he can do anything. And like he said, it it has brought him more than it has taken away. And one second, he's typing. <laughs> Uh, Park says, thank you for being my body today, Tupador. You could have done much better, Park, I assure you, but this was a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Park. And thanks, Tupador, for being the mouthpiece. Yeah, that was uh, super weird. And speaking of weird, uh, Sriram and Aarti have had some experience uh, in the matter from uh, from, our, from our first uh, clubhouse conversation with Metaco in, uh, um, way back. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually had a question for you both, Triram and RT, mm -hmm. about that. Um, I'm curious how it felt bringing two pseudonymous individuals onto the Good Time show. And then on top of that, then realizing that they too were South Indian. I'm just reminded of the moment where you all began speaking to me all together, which felt super powerful. Uh, uh, wow, that is crazy. Uh, uh, but Aarti just had to drop out because uh, she had to handle something. But I can, uh, I would say it was a surreal a uh, couple of days, just for the backstory for folks, uh, you know, uh, we all know now, obviously, you know, what happened with the Beeple auction and, you know, um, and, you know, they, and, you know, the, who won that. Uh, but the day of the auction, or rather the night of the auction, um, I get a DM, I think I talk about this, I get a DM from Andrew, uh, who since then has become a kind of a good friend. And you know, at the time, I did not know. And, you know, saying like, hey, uh, 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 you know, by the, the people uh, who I can't tell you who they are, but the people who kind of won uh, uh, the auction would, you know, like to come on the show. And I got this at probably like, I don't know, like close to midnight the previous day. And I would say typically when somebody you don't know cold DMs you on the internet about somebody that they can't reveal identities of, you tend to be a little suspicious. I was like, uh, okay, that's mysterious. And um, I spent the next few hours and you know, by the way, I'll say Andrew is very, very highly thought of by a lot of people that I trust. So I was like, okay, so Andrew's legit. So in terms of like, you know, kind of Balaji's in a model, I was like, if Andrew's legit, then, you know, the people he's talking about are legit. But I still felt somewhat nervous about bringing on uh, people that I've never really met or could not research uh, any single way. And uh, for me, um, in Twitter, probably won't mind me sharing this story. Uh, for me, the most powerful moment was, uh, you know, the, the morning of the, the show where uh, we actually got on a call. Um, and I had no idea, you know, uh, I, I had no context going in. And, you know, and when you jump on the call, I was just kind of blown away, you know. Uh, we are, you know, as folks might have survived, we are kind of from similar parts of the world. And I was just like, you know, what are the chances? And, um, and that evening, that show was probably one of our favorite shows, just in terms of, uh, it felt so historic, you know, um, just the timing of it. Um, it, it was obviously the biggest art, one of the biggest art things ever. It felt like a historic moment for NFTs. Uh, we had an amazing speech from Dylan Field. It was so historic. So I just want to obviously, you know, um, uh, and uh, having uh, Metaco and quote Tirukural and breaking into Tamil and just kind of talking about his future, a, a vision for the metaverse was just amazing. So, you know, you just, I would say, I just have a lot of gratitude. Arti and I, speaking for both of us, we have a lot of gratitude to both, uh, you know, Metaco and Tubador for kind of taking a chance on us and, you know, coming on our show, they could have, you know, they could have been on any single TV show they could have wanted, but they chose to come on our show. And it was just probably, you know, it, a life moment that I won't forget. So thanks to both of you. So the pleasure was entirely ours, uh, uh, Sriram. Like I said, uh, uh, I've been a huge fan of uh, how eclectic your show is. 
the range of uh, topics that you cover on a daily basis you guys are obviously polymaths and uh, it, it was and you made us feel uh, right at home when we walked in and we needed that before the the you know uh, the media frenzy that uh, hit us later on so thank you for that cool so i think at this point in the conversation we've talked a lot about how pseudonymity sort of at a high level works and sort of how people should start thinking about cultivating pseudonymous identities maybe heading forward but talk i think talking with someone about how being pseudonymous has really impacted their work and their life in the metaverse of this digital space that we're all sort of uh, building identities in would be interesting. And for someone like Whale Shark, I think you're the perfect person to talk about this with. For folks that are not aware, which maybe like 10% or less of the audience listening right now, um, Whale Shark is the most prolific NFT collector along with Metagovin in the metaverse various assets from art uh, to virtual land and everything in between. Uh, but my question for Whale Shark is, as a collector, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on how, especially in the digital realm, um, collecting under a pseudonym has, has impacted or affected your collecting, and then maybe tying in like what collecting means in real life and how sort of anonymous that practice generally is. And, what the differences are collecting digitally versus uh, physical objects in real life. I think we could have a really good, interesting discussion there. Yo, Matthew, and thank you so much for the question. Just uh, honored and thrilled to be among so many deep thinkers in the space. Uh, so Matthew, I, I think I'll answer your question in past, present and future, right? So honestly speaking, you know, if I was not able to remain pseudonymous um, as I started to enter the crypto art space, I probably wouldn't have done so to begin with. So the main reason, so a lot of people don't know this, but collecting crypto art or collecting digital art was really my first foray um, into collecting art as a whole. Um, I was you know, too intimidated, uh, too scared, and, and the barriers to entry of the traditional art world, you know, it, they seemed a little bit too steep for me you know, over the past uh, you know, 18 or 20 years that I had enjoyed physical art, but you know, really never stepped into a gallery uh, simply because, you know, that, that barrier, uh, that those, those, those barriers, those educational barriers, um, they pose very much as a mental challenge for me. So, you know, day one of being able to establish the Well Shark pseudonym and go into Super Rare, go into Maker's Place, go into Known Origin and just, you know, collect whatever I loved without any judgment. You know, being pseudonymous really was a, a, a tool of empowerment uh, for me to be able to do so. Now, you know, that's the past, right? And, you know, when you look at, when you look at the present, um, back then, I mean, for all of the collectors who were collecting, I mean, probably Medicovin included, we knew one day that this digital art was going to be worth a lot of money. Um, but back then, I, I think we were, again, picking up pieces of artwork for $1,000, $2,000, Coming to the present now, when you see that, you know, digital artwork and, you know, for example, uh, the, the $70 million bid from Medicovin on, on, on the Beeple piece, um, you know, all of these pieces are worth a significant amount of money now. So, you know, what does pseudonymity really bring to me right now? It's really a lot of security and privacy, right? Um, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy, you know, wearing, wearing, wearing a pair of shorts and my wife beater. And then after that, wearing, a, wearing slippers and sandals, heading down to McDonald's and grabbing a Big Mac without somebody recognizing or knowing who I am uh, and stopping to talk to me about NFTs, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, that blanket of security 
and privacy is very important uh, to me, at least, um, as I move forward in the space. Um, when you look at the future, again, I, I love what Park has done, right? Uh, Park has created uh, this pseudonym that extends beyond the body, that extends beyond physical recognition and extends beyond time. Um, if a pseudonym is a force for good in this space, why should it only exist for one person's single lifetime? You know, what, what's not preventing us from allowing there to be a puck, you know, 50, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years into the future? What's stopping there from being a whale shark, right? 50 years, 100, 150 years into the future. And maybe the whale shark of tomorrow isn't me, but he or she does retain the same values or the same uh, persona, right? A, a force for good and just continues to make the world a better place. So Matthew, I think those are, you know, just answering a question, I think those are really the three things that pseudonymity has really brought to me as I've entered the space. Mm. Yeah, that the idea that an identity can live beyond the initial creator and last generations, I think that's like a really fascinating kind of thought experiment for individuals to keep running and playing out for themselves. Um, but along the course of that pseudonym's life, like Balaji was talking about earlier, um, there's this continuum that exists for pseudonyms and then I guess they're wearers, if you will. And for you yourself, uh, there's a point, I guess, around this time last year, a little, maybe a little over a year ago, when you're starting to set up uh, your whale social currency um, and you brought in a, a group of um, supporters and insiders to kind of like let them know that you're setting this up and as they're going to be liquidity providers um sort of like revealing your identity showing them that hey like if you're going to give me or invest in the social currency i got to give you a little bit of a like knowledge about who i am as a real individual just to like obviously avoid rug pulls and things like that um so going back to that time of partially revealing your your mundane identity or your maybe real identity um, talk about that experience and sort of how that relates to everything that happened since then. Sure, Matthew. And I can tell you that my real identity is extremely mundane. Um, it is a uh, run of the mill. Uh, <laughs> I am the most normal person that you'll ever meet. Now, you know. Um, so, look, I, I mean, that, that, you know, when I set up Whale, essentially, you know, there was Whale Shark and everyone knew he was a collector. Um, but what they did not know uh, was, you know, did he have the track record of success um, that he claims that he had so that people could be rest assured that he was gonna put everything and all of his efforts into driving this project. Now, the way that I decided to solve that was actually do a manual U-port. And for people who don't know what U-port is, again, it's, it's still a developing technology and I'm sure there's a lot of other decentralized identity platforms that are developing at the moment. Um, but I wanted to be able to release certain parts of information about me uh, so that people could verify that what I was saying was true uh, without revealing my full identity. Now, we haven't gotten to that stage yet. In an ideal situation, I would have been able to just say, hey, here's my educational background. Uh, here's my working background. Here are, here are some of the PR um, that, that pertain to me and just be able to release that information with, but without releasing my name. Um, that could not be done. So instead, what I had to do was, you know, really just pick out 10 individuals within the NFT community uh, who, who were firstly uh, well-established within the space. So they themselves were well-known and, they, and you know, they themselves, their names were well-known. 
the second thing was that just making sure that they were you know community leaders so each one of them who actually verified my identity were community leaders within the crypto space itself so what they said brought weight and then after that what i did was you know i i took um you know i, I busted out a powerpoint and then after that, you know I, I just started copying and pasting and, and and putting all my information in there and sending really a packet each out to every single one of them opening up a discord and then having them go in and say yes i verify what will shark has said to be true um, you know, it was, again, it was, uh, it was a very prehistoric approach towards doing it. Um, but I do believe that by doing that, you know, people were able to verify me without having seen that information, but based on very similar to what the group was speaking about just now, um, you know, I know someone who verified him and I know this guy is, is, is upstanding and I know this guy is honest and I know this guy's a leader in the space and I actually know who this guy is and he says, or they say that Will Shark is this person. So it must be true, right? But honestly, Matthew, I cannot wait for the day that, you know, I can, we can create any pseudonym and, you know, just be able to take, you know, educational records, health records, uh, uh, you know, professional career records, and really be able to share that information to the extent that we want to without really fully revealing who we are, where we live and, and on all that other type of information. Brilliant. I mean, we've had, uh... Uh, so much discussed about the pragmatism of uh, uh, pseudonymity, uh, how it can come to pass and, and the various challenges uh, there are, um, you know, inherently. I thought we could go a little meta now. We have MetaCoven here and uh, the way I remember it, this idea of pseudonymity was, was very instinctive uh, to both of us and we sort of discovered along the way what it could be. Uh, so I, I'm curious, MetaCoven, what do you think of the conversation so far and can you tell us a little bit about uh, how Metacoven himself started uh, sure uh, thank you for you know um, this uh, this gathering here and I'm very excited to, to be part of it um, is my audio okay because I remember last time it was bad <laughs> this time it's perfect okay cool okay your, your, your pseudonym I think is uh, uh, growing stronger <laughs> okay so, yeah, so where I come from or the context of uh, where Metacone started is um, more than uh, just NFTs or crypto or collecting art um, as, a, as a way of investment or something. Uh, I'm very active in the traditional space also. So I'm, I'm quite, um, like I'm, I would not say I'm famous, but I'm known by my real name and I, and I do several stuff, right? And while I work on various stuff, one thing that's very common is the purpose and why I do what I do, right? Um, I, I, I think the, the goal or, or what um, pur purpose I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go towards is using art and, and trying to level the playing field uh, for from for global cultures because end of the day um i believe that cultural exports are are essentially a, very important as a consumption economy because we are only creating consumers all, all over the world and we talk about every human being as a node in this huge system of economy and we don't and and we centralize that production culture and then we have a few people producing and the whole world is consuming 
and i think that is really bad and and if you want to beat that i know that we all chase the economy and try to say economic development is what we are going for but in that in that scenario we really reduce the human being into just nodes and we don't care about them we only care about stats as as a as an average as a as a as a general idea and maybe i would have been just part of that stats and i would have been most probably irrelevant and and nowhere to be seen while my country was growing while the world was growing in an economy right but because who cares about the individual and and who cares about uh, one specific culture so i believe that there should be the space where there can be cul- cultures uh, respected and from across the world so that there can be this initial bootstrap economy uh, for for people in the local culture and they are able to get the leg up without having to immigrate uh, without having to naturalize them into another culture and then get started because when you do that you are creating a new class uh, hierarchy uh, you are cre- you are stratifying the society as as a person who just immigrated into a new culture the example i would give us we all like the like for for years now like india the the uh, a lot of people from india just go to america and then settle there but what we should remember is while an indian wants to naturalize him in, as being an american he ends up being an indian american which he didn't choose and and even his son or daughter just is as the daughter of an immigrant or half american even even if they marry and 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 a white person for example it still is not gone it's it's still the same so all these things are very very important to consider because we only think about the world in numbers and i think that is wrong and we should think about the human uh, behind all of this so that's where i come from and and from that scenario when i started doing what i was doing i i was part of the small culture and i was making movies i was i was i was doing something locally who cares about it right like who 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 watches or who looks into something that's that's happening say in a remote part in india or a remote part in africa they don't so i thought i i needed this a uh, stage this global stage where i can perform and people can look at it and 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 not from the lens of of a pseudonym uh, sorry uh, not from a lens of of my identity which i which which is given to be my birth and instead through my actions right and and that was the idea of metacoven because i started collecting art well before and i remember meeting a lot of people as as the real me even before metacoven existed where where i used to talk about the nfts i i collected etc but metacoven was magical right and metacoven uh, the pseudonym was really interesting because people people had no idea who this guy who 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 was the guy behind this uh, pseudonym and that give, gave me this stage out of love to have that mystical um, uh, enigmatic uh, persona for for maybe a few more years but i ne- it never meant to be you know completely uh, uh, pseudonymous because i didn't started that way right as uh, welshark was pointing out it's very important to understand where where you're starting and what your context is and 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 that's how you define your 
pseudonyms. I, I, I was not at tight on, on, on keeping my pseudonyms uh, a, a very good secret. Whoever I spoke to in the industry, I almost spoke to them as, as myself. And, and that was because I, I, I think I wanted that, um, I wanted that work to first go in front of people. And then I was perfectly okay to, you know, like introduce myself as a real person because I don't know where this path is going to take, but I also believe there's going to be a lot of physical work for me, like say going to a museum, go, working with working with artists in the physical space. And, and that's going to keep happening. Um, and, I, and it already does. I, I go to film festivals, right? So all these things are already happening in my life. And I think this, um, now this whole pseudonym combining with my real name um i i i would i would live with it but but the more important thing is what 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 has happened over time is that i've realized that metacone is much much larger than vignesh metacone is larger than the person behind it and i think the journey of metacone will continue and may, maybe even fork uh into multiple uh, roles and and that's what pseudonyms allow allow us and and maybe this this vignesh is part of the origin story but we never know uh where this uh story is going to go and and i'm also very excited to you know kind of find out i'm also i'm also being part of it i'm i'm living in this moment and seeing how i feel every day about this but at some point i believe um there there'll be a lot of mm, lot of things that happen to metacone uh, it, it 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 could it could be forks into different characters or something or, or multiple people operating the same name or it could just be a title that goes to another person too so there is there is a lot of scope here and if someone is considering uh, becoming a pseudonym they sh they should really think about it as as like right here in this room we have people with different uh, motivations and different goals and you, you are able to see why and and why we choose our pseudonym and and kind of um, the 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 purpose behind it, right? So if if someone today is considering uh, considering a pseudonym, I, I would say be very clear in what you want to do, uh, because at some point, if 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 your real name and pseudonym gets um, gets in gets linked up, you know you you need to figure out a way to handle that also, right? I have a question for you, Medikovin, or really anyone else that's listening. You know, we, we've both experienced both worlds, for example, Asian culture and Western culture. You can hear about American individualism, but then in Asia, especially South India or Asian cultures, we really focus on that community aspect. Do you think pseudonyms and exosuits are liberating and give that individualism aspect to people from non-individualistic cultures. And it's something I've noticed anecdotally is that it seems that a lot of folks who are using pseudonyms are from minority groups or people of color. Hmm. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I'll try to answer that and, and try to be short. And, and yeah, if anyone wants to, else wants to take it also, yeah, sure. So I feel like pseudonyms are a double-edged sword for, uh, for a for a person from a minority culture because the 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 thing is that pseudonyms can um 
like pseudonyms can can allow the stage but it should not be you know like i i, I don't think it it should be treated as a way of of i trying to hiding something right like I, I, it's not like i'm trying to hide uh, something about me uh, which which i'm uh, ashamed of or, or shy about right so it is it is more to play from the other side where i where i feel like the judgment is already existing and that i want that judgment to be removed i'm very proud of where i'm from and and who i am uh, and my identity uh, it's just that it's not the same for everyone else right like i i I'll always say that like i'm i'm very much from south india and and for example when when i talk to someone and and I shake like i shake my head in a specific way and make people make fun of it and i find it very offensive but it's it's okay to make fun of that right because there is there is hierarchy of what you can make fun of and what you cannot in this world and and that's something i find very uh, very uh, funny because you, you that, that's not that's not the case with you know a, a a different culture with better soft power right so that's that's where i am coming from but again pseudonyms usually get treated like gods uh from the so- same asian culture yes i i would like to express myself as an individual but the problem is from the very um the the, the biggest comment for for me uh, revealing my real name uh for, was uh that this um this story has now become uh um, less important right like that that was the biggest comment i heard from a lot of people and and when i when i when i listened to that what i felt was people saying that you know like before before this this time when when i could not relate this to a real person and and i i did not see that person behind there was more magic to it and and people were seeing you know people are create people like to create gods in in asian cultures so that's one thing i feel we should not go that far to to do those things and and so it's 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 about you know like that balance and and even if a, if you are an individual trying to express individuality it does not it does not end up at the, at the place where i hoped it will so yeah it's it's it it can be taken to extremes right so that that that's one thing i feel but yeah it, for the in the in the meantime it, it does allow me to express individuality but you know it's very restricted it's not it it it's not like i can i can express everything because then uh, it it it'll just reveal who i am so it's it's not uh, it's not very conducive for that brilliant uh, for those who came in late we are on episode 1 of nft radio we're discussing pseudonyms uh, and how they double as exosuits and uh, the various pragmatic as well as meta concerns that one might have about adopting and using a pseudonym in real life so we're joined by some of the smartest people on the planet when it comes to pseudonyms uh, i have a quick interjection from uh, from park in fact he agrees wholeheartedly with whale shark's points and he says a mask is different than a designed identity a mask is there to hide a persona a designed identity is there to create a persona think about a movie character think about gollum from lord of rings who's gollum is he the actor that acts him is he the designer that designed his body is he tolkien the author of the lord of the rings gollum is gollum it's not a mask 
it's a designed character. Even if you change the people who act him, even if you change the people who animate him, it will remain in the same identity. So a pseudonym is sometimes not a mask, it's a persona. Incredible perspective from, from everyone who's spoken so far. So I, I wanted to bring up uh, G Money, who's a good buddy of mine, and he's also pseudonymous and been in the crypto and NFT ecosystem for quite some time. G Money, can you tell us about your experiences being pseudonymous in this ecosystem? And have you, do you think you've run into more issues being pseudonymous versus using your real identity? Or just tell us all about how, how it's been for you. Cool. Uh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, again, I'm really honored to be on the stage with all these people. Um, you know, just I guess a little bit about my experiences. And I know when when I was deciding whether I wanted to go pseudonymous or um, non-anon, I, I actually Andrew was one of the people that I consulted because he is non-anon. And, you know, I wanted to weigh the pros and cons. And, you know, like I come from a traditional finance background. So I think part of it was almost like um, to protect myself from maybe like ridicule or something where it's like, all right, you know, when I was telling people about NFTs way back, um, you know, people would like laugh at me or like, they'd be like, oh, you're buying like JPEGs online. And, you know, obviously the, the stories that we all hear. So I think like, to me, it was interesting. It was like, okay, this is a way that I can kind of maybe separate the two, like, you know, my traditional uh, finance background with my crypto endeavors. Uh, and, you know, like I, you know, obviously the ape was, uh, buying the ape was one of, I guess, one of the things that really catapulted me towards um, influencer status, I guess, or, you know, towards quote unquote fame. Uh, and like, that was just like me standing out on the ledge being like, all right, this is my, this is how I feel. This is my conviction in it. I bought, I bought it at the time. And it's been really interesting because like the way, the way I, I nav have navigated it from the start has been operating as like, I want to be true to the person who I am in real life. And I'm operating under the assumption that at some point I will be doxxed or people will find out who I am. So it, it's, I think it's super interesting because I think you've seen it in the last couple of years with the rise of crypto, where at the beginning of the internet, people would use that anonymity or pseudo anonymity to maybe be somebody who they're not. And now it's almost like people are, are being who they are as a, as a human, but all that's changing is their name, right? So when I like interact with people, I interact with people online the same way I would uh, in real life, because I assume that at some point those two will merge and I don't wanna be these two different personas because I wanna be true to who I am. Awesome. Thank, thank you for that, G-Money. And then I have another question for Abology. So have you seen, obviously you're a very active investor in, in the crypto and NFT ecosystem. Have you seen an increase in, in pseudonymous founders and teams? And do you think that will become the norm in, in uh, kind of this, this ecosystem? Or do you think that that will kind of maintain to be more of a niche? Yeah, I think there's a lot of DeFi founders who are pseudonymous now. And I think, you know, to some of the earlier points, Synonymity prevents both discrimination and cancellation. So as you've got lots of international founders, folks with accents, folks without college degrees, folks who come from off the beaten path, Synonymity stops them from being discriminated against. They can just basically, you know, show that they can, can code and that their product is good. So all the gatekeeping can't be applied. It also prevents cancellation. 
So it prevents people from being attacked for beliefs or, you know, like associations or things like that that are outside of their professional work. And you just have to judge them on, on, their, on their work. So it's, it's this very powerful thing that um, I think will be seen as setting up, similar to setting up a limited liability company, a limited liability name. Um, and, and so I am seeing it becoming more popular. Uh, you've seen it over the last year with DeFi Summer. And I think it's going to become even more so. I have a, a, another follow-up question for Balaji, in fact. Um, you know, uh, like you said, Balaji, the tech exists and has existed for a while now, but there is an order of effort that goes into crafting and keeping a pseudonym. And typically, before something like this becomes a norm, there needs to be a combination of incentive and sanction, right, in a sense. For instance, uh, stronger passwords allow for anonymity, weak passwords, and you get hacked. Seatbelts and airbags equals faster cars and loopy roller coasters. No seatbelts, and there's a spike in accident fatalities. What do you think the incentive slash uh, sanction mechanism is going to be that will push, uh, you know, a generation into pseudonymity? Well, the, um, the sanction mechanism already exists, which is searchability. Um, in many, many cases, uh, what people are doing with pseudonyms is they're crafting what I called search resistant identities, meaning that only those people who want to discover who you rather, who you want to discover you under that name are capable of doing so. And other people are not able to do so because they're just punching the global identifier and not pull up your Finsta. Your Finsta is under a name that only your friends know. So being found only by those people you want to find you is like this critical design principle. And you can actually start building technology around that. That's why I mentioned the you know, ENS domain type thing, you could actually make it something where, for example, um, maybe not with ENS, but with a future technology, perhaps people could only do an encrypted lookup. So if I know, you know, tubador.eth or another pseudonym.eth, and I have a certain set of keys, well, then I can actually get more information out of that name than another person. So your name actually becomes like an input to a function, which is different. So that, that starts to get to the incentive side, which is um, programmable names, there's a lot you can do with that. And there's more you can do with it than you can do with uh, just a normal human name. And so I think that's going to be the push and the pull. The, the pull will be programmable names. The push will be all the, you know, um, cancellation, discrimination that can happen against, uh, you know, legacy names or real names. We might call them legacy names. Awesome. Makes perfect sense. Mm. I... I have, and this question is for all the pseudonyms in the room. I already have a first response from Park, but the question is this. Um, how long does it take one to, you know, sort of build out their exosuits? Uh, is there a point when, when you realize as you're working on the pseudonym that, okay, I think now this persona is, is complete uh, by itself. Obviously, it, it keeps adding layers uh, uh, with every passing day. But is there a point at which uh, all of you realize that, okay, this is now complete, it's now finished? Whale shark, uh, I'd love to know when you realize that whale shark is, is actually uh, a complete pseudonym, a persona. So I think, you know, for the whale shark pseudonym, very similar to what G-Money was bringing out just now, you know, all whale shark was really was just myself, but the ability for me to hide my actual name, right? Um, and, you know, very much so it was an empowerment tool uh, for me to become more of myself, right? Uh, simply because, you know, a name was no longer attached to that. Now, you know, how long did it take uh, to build up, you know, Will Shark the person? I mean, the person was always there, right? The, 
the values, the ethics, the thought process, um, uh, you know, the intellectual capacity, it was always there. Um, how long does it take for people to recognize that um, or, or associate, you know, certain emotions with that pseudonym? Um, you know, for me, you know, probably within the first three to four months, um, I was very active on Twitter. I was very active uh, in a lot of the uh, discords uh, pertaining to NFTs and digital art. Um, so it really depends on, 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 on how much communication uh, one is putting out there. Um, so for me, you know, again, I, I, I think it, I th for me, it roughly took about three months. And, and as I continue to grow, more and more people understand who I actually am. Uh, not my name, but who I am as a person. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, that understanding of who Whale Shark is, you know, will only just continue to extend in the future, uh, given the amount of effort, given the amount of time and resources that I put towards communicating to the larger community. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and Park says, by the way, that it, it's much longer than a lifetime. Technology only allowed me to reach more people with it. The last 25 years were related to media, but before that, it was computer science, and before that, it was physics, medicine, religion. There is a long history, and it's almost similar to asking, when did you realize that you are you? And the answer is generally a big obscurity. Tubidor, you're answering uh, Pac's questions really fast. Are, are you Pac? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> Pac's mouthpiece. <laughs> he, I'm just he's, kidding. <laughs> I actually uh, have a question. Yes, I am. Okay, got it. Yeah, I figured. Question for anyone that wants to jump in. Um, Medicovid and Tubidor recently revealed their identities, removed their exosuits, so to speak, in a recent article that went a bit viral. And Metaverse had, or Metaverse had an outpouring of messages from people all around India saying how inspiring it was to them. Um, and how much it meant to them to learn that the buyer of the Beeple piece was from their corner of the world. I'm wondering if pseudonymous identities will miss out on these types of connections in the future and what can we do to preserve the power of these types of networks? Yeah, I can, I can try to go on that. So um, I, I, I don't, I don't think um, like the synonymous person uh, necessarily needs to associate themselves with a particular ge geography, right? Uh, the point of crypto and, and this whole metaverse is that now you're able to find your own tribe um, in with, with, with just um, seeing what, 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 they, what they are for, right? Like uh, understanding each other's purpose, understandings, uh, understanding each other's intention and motivation in a, in a new way because traditionally geography language this is how we have been close together right like um, even even 30 40 years ago um, uh, we we won't leave our town right like imagine that we like we've taken for granted all this all this technology that that is in front of us today we can we can i can i can travel to any part of this world and immediately be living like a local because of all this technology around me i can i can look up foursquare i can look up google maps i can i can rent a car and i'm a local right and that that feeling of 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 uh, uh, having having geographical boundaries totally decimated i think means a lot more uh, 
then then being able to you know connect with with just the set of people who are close to you uh, physically right so i believe historical proximity is still uh, interesting uh, and and it's also kind of a uh, sometimes I, i i feel like it's a responsibility that we, as a human being each of us have to lift each other from oppression in any form right but that's a general idea so it's not it's not specific to a geography history or a culture uh, I, i believe in liberation of of all human beings not not just people who uh, who who i grew up with or whose culture and and language was and closer to me right let, let me let me push you a little bit there medicoven i understand uh, what you're saying but don't you think that geography and uh, sociopolitical history through initially Pax Britannia, Pax Americana is still driving the narrative. I mean, we're all here conversing in English. I look at Clubhouse, everything's in English. When when our exosuits, were, when, we were, when we reveal ourselves from our exosuits and there was this outpouring from the Indian community, that what would you see that as a glimpse of hope as, okay, maybe now it's a, a change of the guard opposed to the old you know kind of english centric anglo centric system mm, uh, one one way to answer that is uh, i don't know how we will all uh, communicate in this world right like so english if we consider english as as not uh, a specific culture being imposed on everyone that that'll be interesting too but then uh, the people who do think they own a culture should should be able to let it go and th- that's the biggest because we don't want to cl- create another class society yes and and that's kind of where we are today right but but apart from it as you said yes there was a lot of hope um that i um that i felt from all the responses uh, when when people knew that we were the buyers right and and that means a lot and it was it was not just from india right like i i i've heard a lot of people from all over asia also um uh, talk about it all from a lot of people from europe also uh, from minority cultures in their own way so it is it is all these small um uh, pockets of hope that i that i feel like uh, over time is is going to um g- going to expand and it could become a world of of multiculturalism and and there could there could be more um more of expression in our own uh, from our own culture uh, it it is not just language it could be lifestyle also today we are primarily living a very western lifestyle the, what we eat what we what we think about it's all it all, we always track it back to socrates and why why should that be it can it can be a eastern philosopher too right and eastern philosophy is is is, is has this depth and uh, but again that there is that that factor that's that's not we cannot solve it over over a day but this is this power now it has been decentralized and that's what i've been talking about when i when i speak about decentralized culture where i i feel like this is the this is a rise of the decentralized class where um, we are very different from the traditional people who have, pat- uh, have been patterns of art over years and now we have the opportunity to 
to support art that's that's a huge change in this world because art uh, di- dictates narratives for centuries that's been the that's been the history and now when it's decentralized i think there'll be more cultures with their own expression and it'll be a great time for all of us to learn more uh, from different cultures and and i'm sure that there'll be more people like us uh, from not just our, our culture because maybe maybe if it's just me again uh, trying to fight this uh, um new new form of uh, cultural battle it'll be it'll be hard but we need allies right like um the, from people from all over the world um n- not 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 claiming that like something is superior or something is the best solution but just but but just putting it out there and and being part of this whole world as as a movement as as a movement towards learning from each other so yeah that's that's where i think we are going and it's a stage so i i ask everyone to you know think about how they can be part of this and and not just a passive um audience but you know actively think how uh, i can be part of this movement so this is beautiful uh, metacon in fact uh, you know to also sort of respond to what veritas said asked um the concept of pseudonymity basically does tie down to the rise of the decentralized class which includes everybody in this uh, clubhouse room and uh, and basically are ill right while it might instantly appeal to uh, you know those in the minority or uh, underrepresented cultures it really does uh, sort of indicate the rise of that decentralized class and and the sort of uh, a slow but steady erosion of the stigmas around pseudonymity and by stigma it's not uh, it's very weird because when it, uh, uh, it it is extremely prevalent in a you know a 15 billion dollar industry like uh, uh, gaming the first thing you do is to adopt a pseudonym when you you know log into uh, an xbox or a ps4 at that stage it's considered juvenile but when it happens at a a slightly higher level say <laughs> when you uh, announce that uh, the buyer of a christie's piece is a pseudonym it suddenly becomes nefarious so that stigma whether uh, of of infantilizing a pseudonym or vilifying it there seems to be nothing in between so the slow erosion of this stigma around pseudonymity i think uh, is is in one way an expression of of disbelief from the larger ecosystem why would anyone do that and that comes from uh, a mindset of never having thought about uh, uh, using a pseudonym uh, never having had to hide your real identity or never seeing the advantage in being someone else for some time so in a sense uh, uh, sort of a lot of lot of us it's uh, it's deeply personal as well right it's an instinctive uh, thing it, it it might have started off as something fun but a pseudonym what it does when you enter a new space is to give you a non-judgmental runway that drift you can't bring anything to it and uh, it also uh, represents a clean slate into where you're going so the rise of the decentralized class like metacoins that i think best describes it cool um i have a question for just the people in this chat that are not pseudonyms andrew and matthew if one of you want to answer what why did you decide to um go with your authentic identity in the nft community I know Andrew you were talking with G money and helping coach him through the process so I'm curious about your origin. 
Yeah. So actually I made a, a purposeful decision to not be a pseudonymous uh, because I thought that by attaching my name to it, it would be easier for me to uh, basically, you know, get, gain a following essentially because um, everyone, you know, when I first got involved in NFTs back in 2019, everyone, and also crypto as well, everyone was, was pseudonymous. So I was like, okay, how do I stand out uh, the most uh, in terms of all these people that I'm, that I'm surrounded by? And I thought by using my real name and real identity, that would make me stand out. It's kind of funny because um, it's quite, it's kind of the opposite in the mainstream world, but within the crypto sphere, it's kind of uh, the, the norm, especially with NFTs. Now we're getting to the point where NFTs are getting more mainstream. So um, it's becoming more uh, normal for people to use their real identities. But that, that was my, that was my, uh, that was my reason why. From my case, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that like, I'm fully DNN just because I only use half of my name, but the decision to when possible use my first name kind of stems from having a, a biblical name to begin with which translates easily to like every di different language. So like if I happen to be uh, in Korea or something, I like to use the, the biblical pronunciation in the, the Korean Bible, like Mate. And every country has some version of that. So sticking with that, keeping that as like this identifier is just something that's super comfortable for me. Um, but aside from that, in instances where I can't use Matthew because any new network, Matthew is one of the most, sought after names like get snapped up like rather immediately. I do have pseudonyms that I go under like nifty time now. Um, but starting out, I had like the worst name ever. I chose bread underscore crumbs. Crumbs spelled K-R-U-M-B-S because I was in Korea. And the experience of living with a terrible pseudonym is something that is kind <laughs> of limiting. Even if you're putting out good content and you're communicating something well, people can't find you. Like the, the design of the actual pseudonym, I think is actually quite important. And switching to nifty time, something that is easy to say and easy to like write down has kind of helped in terms of just allowing people to find you and search you out. Um, something that I haven't really heard a lot of people discuss is just like the design or choice of the actual name uh, or pseudonym rather uh, that they, they go under and communicate uh, themselves by heading forward. That's that's fascinating, Matthew. I didn't know about the universal nature of uh, Mate. I think that's what I'm going to call you now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just really <laughs> But no, it, uh, it, it's really interesting because uh, um, like Balaji was describing uh, and, and we were discussing, it, it, it needs an order of effort. Uh, for a lot of people, it's instinctive. We just, you know, pick something out of thin air, it sticks and you just run with it, uh, which might in hindsight uh, not be the best way to go about pseudonyms. But I do know for a fact that Metacoven agonized over days before he came up with his. And then sort of, you know, it, uh, it still has to uh, grow onto you. It, it's not like you can wear your exosuit the moment you've crafted it. You need to, you know, it, it, it pinches here, it doesn't fit properly, and you sort of uh, have to take your time in, in trying to adjust to that uh, new persona. Um, do you think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, people usually don't instantly... Uh, assume pseudonyms or, or there is not uh, widespread use of them. Because for, uh, for some of us, uh, it, it feels like a natural fit. Uh, it gives us that non-judgmental runway that I was talking about. To others, it represents a major uh, pain in the butt. Actually, you, yeah, I think everyone should try to find a pseudonym for themselves and they will find out how hard it is. 
<laughs> because you'll uh, it's such a such an interesting process because the questions it, it it's it's a very in, in there'll be an interesting set of questions that you would have to ask yourself and and that that process of finding a pseudonym actually initiates that kind of you know the human in you the intention in you um a lot of lot of things so uh, i think i think it's a very personal process uh, yeah it took me like like i think a week to figure it out i i spoke to so many people i remember speaking to andrew all uh, andrew also about this and uh, um i sp- spoke to my mom i spoke to my friends uh, who had no idea about the metaverse and and there were so many people involved and in, you know like uh, i i finally coming up with that name and i and i had to be okay with it right and i had to i had to feel like it and and uh, in a way for me that name was definitely uh, k- kind of gave gave that feeling that it was bigger than me so i i i really enjoyed the pseudonym um yeah it it immediately uh, clicked on me in in a few days and and it has stuck um so yeah i think i think that process is is what is very interesting okay there's a question from park to all he says um i believe it's harder to not be pseudonymous today we all define ourselves from a single point of view then it's impossible to define ourselves with facts where do we draw the line for instance is a facebook profile not pseudonymous or is it more pseudonymous because it shows chosen identity once again so where do we draw the line you see this is a very meta feeling that i have uh, i am i'm a pseudonym as stubador and i'm assuming parks pseudonym and suddenly i feel a lot smarter a lot more confident just because i'm trying to channel somebody else's uh, voice to <laughs> removing yourself even a little bit from the equation allows you to amplify what I was just going to say um similar to what Pax said earlier I, I've seen this when it comes to politics it's not the individual that changes the institution it's the institution that changes the individual and so as pak was mentioning that can be an institution as you said now you're acting as a mouthpiece for pak you notice changes in your stature true true awesome guys this this was uh, a fascinating conversation on uh, on a topic that i think we are at the cusp of uh, like truly discovering now pseudonymity means different things to different people we've approached it in uh, a range of different ways uh, for some people it means privacy as wayne shark put it uh, for park it means uh, you know uh, a limitless room to experiment uh, uh, for balaji it represents security and programmable identities uh, and so on and i'm sure as as we explore the 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 concept of pseudonymity and and we start to embrace it uh the possibilities will will begin to become endless which is what we were hoping uh with this discussion itself as a start so thank you so much uh, for joining us on this first episode of nft radio pseudonyms are exosuits join us tomorrow for another crackling conversation uh we'll let you know what it's about in just a little while brook matthew 
Metacovin Park Veritas. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Such a fun conversation. Thank you. Until tomorrow. Later, y'all.